All right. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, right in the middle of my message today, we're actually going to be taking communion. And so if you did not get a communion cup, would you raise your hand right now? And our team will make sure that you get one of these because we uh, want to make sure you have them for uh, the middle of the service. And um, yes, if any of you are football fans, I am definitely wearing this shirt on purpose today. Come on, baby. Hail to the victors, valiant. Hail to the conquering. Come on. Hail, hail to Michigan. All right. right, right. Now, and I I will say, actually, it it was great because before before the game, because I thought they'd lose for sure, this week, earlier this week, the very beginning of my notes was there's nothing like celebrating a victory. So there's nothing like celebrating a victory. And you've seen them, you've seen the ticket parades, whether it's after a war or after it's winning the World Series or if it's winning dominoes on Thanksgiving Day. There's nothing like celebrating a victory. And especially when the victory seems a little insurmountable. And so um, this is a great weekend, this Sunday. So this is actually just a one-off message. We just had this open Sunday to, or it's not, I'm still saying Sunday. We have this open Saturday for this service. And uh, obviously right between Thanksgiving. And so I just wanted to give a message today that gave us a chance to just celebrate Jesus, celebrate his victory, continue this whole, I hope you did have a great Thanksgiving and just want to keep this atmosphere of celebrating and thanksgiving. And also, obviously, this is when you can actually start singing Christmas carols. So it is now preparation for the most amazing gift that ever happened. Well, I guess maybe Easter might even be more amazing. But the fact that God would send his son. And so this, this day, that's all I wanted to do. On this day, I'm hoping that we'll just leave and our hearts will be full of thanks, full of praise, and we'll just rejoice in him. You know, uh, a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, very simple, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So that's, that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna do God's will, and hopefully we'll celebrate today. But I wanna celebrate Jesus, because my guess would be, if you did happen to go around and share what you're thankful for, there's so many things that we can be thankful for that we see on the horizon, we see in our, with our earthly eyes. Thankful, you know, I, I did. I sat down Thanksgiving morning, and the first thing I did is I'm just like, okay, God, thank you. And the first thing, right, is my wife. Like, boom, who, my wife, and then my kids, and then it's all these tangible things. But what I want to do uh, tonight, uh, in Colossians 3, 2, it's 3, 1, and 2, it says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. So my goal today is for, this, this, for the rest of our time here, I, wanted to let, I wanna lift our eyes and our hearts of gratitude and thanks and praise into the heavenly realms. You guys ready to go there with me? We're gonna go beyond the earthly things and we're gonna get up and just remember the amazing things that Jesus Christ has done for us, okay? So, um, and I'm just gonna share a ton of scripture with you today. Susan and I were praying for the service today, and um, my goal is just that his word 
which is alive and active, will just go right into your heart. For many of you here today, you're gonna know these things that, I've, that I'm gonna share. Um, but man, they were so fresh to me personally. And uh, so let me, can I just pray? Would you guys just pray with me and just, would you just open up your heart right now and say, man, Lord, anything that you would love to do to help my heart be more full of gratefulness and gratitude and joy because of who you are and what you've done, right? Let's pray and ask God to do that for us. Father, um, you're so good. You're so good. And you're here. Jesus, (laughs) man, I can't wait to worship you in song again today. But man, I just pray that these words that we're gonna look at would just lift you high. Holy Spirit, please just move in our midst here now. Open the eyes of our heart. God, help us to see you fresh again in awe and wonder. May we never, ever stop being in awe and wonder of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us. And so we're here because of you, and I just ask now, in his name, Father, make the word, your word to us, alive and active, and set us full of blaze with joy and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so earlier this month, in fact, I went and looked back on November 1st, I was actually just doing my time with Jesus, and I was in the book of Nahum. How many of you know the book of Nahum? Yeah, like how many of you ever read the book of Nahum? There's a book of Nahum? <laughs> it's like, so it's only three little chapters, and, uh, and it's actually a prophecy against Assyria, all right? So most prophecies in the Bible are talking to God's people, right? He's trying to talk to his children. He's trying to get them off their wayward ways and bring them back. And so I'm in this book of Nahum, and I, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I'm thinking, I'm probably not going to get that much out of this, right? Because I don't feel like Nineveh, you guys ever heard of Nineveh, right? It was the capital city, right, of, of Assyria. And uh, I go, I don't really feel like a Nineveh, you know? I'm not an Assyrian. I'm not trying to go against God. Like, what's he going to have for me? And this is why, I don't know if you guys do this, but this is why I really pray uh, just every time I just read the scripture and just go, God, if you have something you want to show me in this, just please open the eyes of my heart and speak to me. Again, his word is living and active. Now, here's what happened. So in Assyria, Assyria was the world power, and they truly had defeated every nation that it faced. They had completely destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, and they had taken all of the people of northern Israel. This is where the 10 lost tribes, you heard of them? This is when this happened. Israel was done after Assyria came and took them and displaced the people of Israel into the Assyrian empire. And then they put pagans into into what used to be Israel. And the kings of Judah at this time that, that Nahum gave his prophecy were vassals to Assyria. So Assyria was the superpower. And they were well known among the ancients as the most cruel of conquerors. Their treacheries were legendary and barbaric. Okay, these guys, this was not good. When Assyria came into town, it was going to be painful. There was going to be torture, and it was going to be awful. And so when Nahum gives his prophecy, they're at the height of their power. Again, nobody can defeat them. Nobody can come against them. Everybody's lost. They are the conquerors. And then in Nahum 3, chapter 3, 
I'm gonna read for you three verses. And, um, and what happened is, as I read these verses, and what I'm gonna do with you today is the parallels to what Jesus has done in the spiritual realms were amazing to me. I, I think I was actually in seminary when one of my professors said, when you're reading the Psalms, because you know, the Psalms talk a lot about these nations and these enemies and David's fleeing from his enemies. And he's like, when you're reading those, you probably aren't having people coming after you like David did. He said, but you are having spiritual enemies who are after you all the time. And so he just said, when you're reading the Psalms or the things of the Old Testament, you can imagine the realities in the spiritual realm. Well, that's what happened to me. And I'm just gonna share with you guys. So tonight's a little different. This is, this is a very different message than anything I think I've, I've really maybe ever given before. Um, but I'm just gonna share with you because I just, God so encouraged me and so just lifted Jesus up for me in a fresh way. And I'm hoping he'll do the same for you, okay? So now imagine, you got, it's kind of hard, but just imagine, this would be like Putin and Russia, okay? Putin and Russia. And God stands up, Assyria is way worse than them and even more powerful than them. Look at this. Here's what God says. I am against you, says the Lord Almighty. I will lift your skirts over your face. He's so funny. <laughs> this, is, this is good stuff. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. Look at your troops. They're all weaklings. <laughs> really? These are the most powerful people on the planet. And God says, your troops are weaklings. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has consumed the bars of your gates. Nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. And all who hear the news about you clap their hands at your fall for who has not felt your endless cruelty. Isn't that awesome? God's just like, I know you just destroyed everybody you came against, but you have not faced me. And you're going down. Now, I wanna take you now. Let's go into the spiritual realms. I'm gonna take you to Ephesians chapter six with verse 10. And if you're familiar, this is where we get into this whole idea that there's a spiritual battle that's going on as well, all right? So let's look at the how, how can we relate, how can we take this passage from Nahum and what God can do to a whole powerful nation like that and how can that encourage us about how he's for us? Here we go. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, okay? So right there, the devil has schemes and they're against you. <laughs> In fact, this, this word actually means, that he means he has specific, he knows you and he has specific ways that he actually wants to take you down, all right? But if you're strong in the Lord and the almighty Lord, you can stand against the devil's schemes. And then it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, okay? Now, Paul's talking to the church. He's talking to people who actually believe in Jesus. And he says, for our struggle. Any of you out there struggle? All right. This word also, sometimes the versions say, for we wrestle. It's, it's a term for wrestling or it's battling. This is an intense thing. If you are on this planet you are going to struggle and you are going to wrestle. 
and you're gonna have to fight because the devil has schemes against you. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spiritual Assyria, you guys. And we, all you gotta do is look around, and they're pretty powerful, aren't they? They are taking down many, many people. All around us, we see their darkness. Therefore, since this is our reality, he says, put on the full armor of God so that if it ever gets tough, is that what he says? No, he says what? When. It's just gonna happen. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. All right? So what are the devil's schemes? What are the devil's schemes? There's a lot of them. Let me give you, I'm just gonna, obviously I, I don't know what the specific one is against you. But generally, here's what the devil's doing. Anything, anything to separate us from union with God and with each other. The very will of God purposed in Christ on the cross was to bring unity to everything. First with God to reconcile us to God and then to bring unity amongst everything. If that's the will of God, then the will of our enemy is to do anything he can to cause separation between us and God and with each other. It's actually anything that he can do to keep the kingdom of God from coming to earth. Because Jesus came, right? Christmas, the whole reason Jesus came, he says, because I'm telling you, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here and it can be here on earth now. Pray for it. Ask God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Satan's schemes are anything he can do to keep that kingdom from coming to earth. I think at the core of what that means is he does anything he can do to keep us from believing. Keep us from believing the truth about God and Christ. Okay, the enemy blinds, the scriptures tell us, the enemy blinds the minds of those who don't believe. Now, I know that's true for anybody who hasn't put their faith in Christ, but can I just ask you, how many of you know that you don't believe everything that's true about Jesus? Okay, can I just tell you, you don't? I don't. And I think the enemy still is on a constant rampage even for us who do believe enough to, that we are saved, we have put our faith in Christ, we still, in the same way that you received Christ, we're supposed to continue to walk in him. And this, 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 this Ephesians 6 was to believers in Christ, you're gonna struggle to believe. There's a scheme against you to not believe. The enemy lies constantly, and he's doing that to us. So one thing that counts, you guys, the only thing that scripture tells us that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And so the battle, right? What did Paul say? I have fought the good fight. He tells us, fight the good fight of faith, which means to believe. That's our struggle. What's our struggle? It's to fight the good fight of faith and to believe the truth, not cognitively assent to it. There are so many, there are so many things I know 
I've been doing ministry for 35 years, have my master's in theology. There are so many things I know, but I'm telling you, it's so different knowing them and believing them. And the enemy does not want me to believe them. You know why? Because if I believe it, I'll do it. Faith without action is dead. You know what that means? It just means if there's no actions, you don't believe it. That's what it means. Because what you really believe, you do. So <laughs> behavior management is what most of us try to do. I'm going to try to be a better person. You know, he, Jesus, like, I, didn't, I didn't ask you to be a better person. When the guy came to Jesus and said, what good things that we must do? He said, the work of God is to believe. Okay? Because if you believe right, you'll start acting right. That's our struggle. When I've, when, you know, I've studied a spiritual warfare pretty extensively. We did a whole series on it years ago. And I just remember all the spiritual warfare books would say 90% of real spiritual warfare of the work of the enemy against humans is right here. 90% of spiritual warfare is right here. He's just a liar, Jesus told us. So, and his main tool as he lies is, this, is to get us to believe things that aren't true. To believe things that aren't true about God. To believe things that are not true about ourselves. To believe things that are not true about people all around us. He's constantly putting thoughts inside of our head that are not true especially in all three of those areas. And then what's he do? He lures us into temptations. That's what he does. He lures us into temptations so that we won't trust God. And then the next thing you know, we fall into sin. We do things God doesn't want to do. And then right on the heels of luring us in, what does he do? Then he accuses you. (laughs) That's his name. He got you. And then he accuses you and he condemns you for what you do. And now there's guilt and there's shame and this is his way. You know, he also uses the way of the world. Sometimes it's not big sinful things. Well, they actually are to God, just not to us. Sometimes it's just to, get, just to distract us. Let me just lure you into the ways of the world. Isn't that, wasn't that one of his temptations to Jesus? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, right? You can have all this stuff. And that's what he tells us too. Come on, man. Live this world, live an earthly life. Give yourself to money and success and finances and things. Give yourself to that. That's what'll make you live because he knows if he can get us sucked into that, we will say no to Jesus when he asks us to give everything up. I just read that yesterday in my time, my own personal time in Luke, where he says, if you don't renounce everything you have, you can't be my disciple. So Satan's going, oh, really? Well, let me make sure that people want to cling to everything they have because then they won't follow Jesus. I mean, he is so tricky and he never ends. So let me ask you, as I go into what, how we're gonna fight this, the same way that, what are we gonna believe tonight as we learn this from Nahum and the truth about who Jesus is? I want you to try to, I want you to, try to get just one struggle in your heart, one struggle. What is your current struggle, as the scripture says? What are you wrestling with? Are you trapped in a sin, in a sinful behavior that you just can't get out? You don't even want to do it, but you're stuck because he got you. Or are you distracted by the ways of the world? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you reckless with him or are you struggling to even find any time for him? Are you kind of just running your own life? Has the world distracted you? 
You guys remember, remember Jesus' parable of the seed? Some of the seed falls on the ground and it rises up with the thorns and the cares of this world choke it out and it never matures. That's Satan's strategy. That's a scheme of his. Are you bitter right now? Are you unforgiving? Are you judgmental towards another person? Do you not see them as someone that Jesus died for? But then are you observing their behavior and their shortcomings? And are you pulling away from them? Huge scheme of the enemy. Are you struggling to believe that God loves you? Really? I know, I know we're all here. I go, I know God loves me. No, but are you struggling? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he's good no matter what? When everything is really hard and really tough around you, can you trust him? And are some of you feeling shame today? Because you're, you're falling short. You're, known, you're, you're not what you want to be. You're not what your spouse wants you to be. You're not what your boss wants you to be, which means you're definitely not what God wants you to be. Do you feel shame over that? Guilt, constant accusation, and condemnation. Those are just some options. Aren't those fun? <laughs> I thought this was about Thanksgiving, Dave. All right. But I want you to think about what your struggle is. What are you wrestling with? Because the day of evil comes and Satan has schemes against you. But now we're going to get into how we fight to believe. Y'all ready? Okay. In Nahum, what did God say? I am against you, Assyria. And who said it? The Lord Almighty. So I love that. And so in 1 John, so immediately the first verse that came to me, New Testament, was 1 John 3, 8 says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God, okay, you ready for Christmas? You know why Christmas happened? The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. Amen? Come on. Man, I, I tell you, we are so prone to look around and go, my gosh, look at that. And it is. The world is dark and it's messed up and it's crazy. But here's, but Jesus is like, but I came to destroy the work of the devil. So here's what you gotta believe. What do you gotta believe? Jesus is on your side. He's on your side. He came to destroy your enemy. And who is he? He's the Lord Almighty. That's why in Romans 8, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's not a battle. This is who Jesus is. It's the reason he appeared was to do what? To reconcile us back to God. Because what's Satan, what's he trying to do again? Always trying to separate us. Always trying to get us not to believe. And so Jesus says, I'm coming and I am destroying that thing right there, baby. Satan, you're going down. So... What did Nahum, what did God say to the Assyrians? I will lift your skirts over your face. <laughs> I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. Now, if you look at the verses right before this, he's using the whole terminology of how Assyria is a prostitute and how it's going against all these nations and treating them horribly. Well, so this whole idea of lifting your skirts over your face, that was actually a recognized punishment for prostitutes back then. It's like, oh, you want to shame yourself with your body? Okay, Fwing. that's what they would do to him. Or if a woman was caught in adultery, 
If she was an unfaithful wife, they'd say, okay, if that's what your sin is, then we're gonna expose you, is what they would say. It also, there's, there's showing in, in history that when a king would actually destroy another nation, they would shame them by stripping them and making them come through the, a, a, like a train of captives. Naked, ashamed, powerless. And so here's what God is saying. Assyria, that's how you've treated everybody you've taken down. That's crazy. He goes, so that's what I'm gonna do to you. And I thought, wow. And then immediately, Colossians chapter two, verse 13 through 15 came. This is so good, you guys. Look at this. You were dead because of your sins. What does that mean? You were separated from God. You were. The enemy had actually made you a slave to sin and you were separated from God. And because your sinful nature had not yet been cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed. And if you look at the word in the Greek and other versions, okay, stripped, He stripped the spiritual rulers and the authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, Jesus is just going, okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna publicly take you guys down. You thought you could kill me and end my reign on this earth, but you had no idea that my public death and my public resurrection and my public ascension into heaven would show you and shame you. That's what Jesus did. He goes, he disarmed their power and their authority. Because what did they have against us? They had a record. They had charges against us. These people have sinned. They're separated from God. And so their punishment was death. And Jesus comes on the scene and goes, okay, I'm taking you down. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nail me to the cross. And by that act, I will pay for their record. I will pay for their debt and I will ransom them and redeem them. And now everybody is set free. Yes. Yes. Now, now I know that, see, that's what I can tell. Like we're like golf clap. Okay. But you guys, this is the greatest news in the world. And I want to tell you right now, if you thought about your struggle and I, I, you know, I am, this is a, um, I love this, but I'm gonna tell you, the struggle is real. My struggle to believe, the fight to believe what is true about God and me and his goodness to me and his love and his goodness to this church and to know it. And all I can do sometimes is just look in the mirror and all I can see is the shortcomings and the failures. Anybody else like that? See, that's what he does to us all the time. And so what's our fight? We got to fight to believe there is no condemnation and there is no accusation. But because of Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He says, you are seen as holy and without blemish and free from accusation. Do you believe that? Okay, I can tell you this. If you do believe that, you know what it does? It sets you free. And so if you're not free, when I'm not free, when I'm not at peace, when I'm not full of the joy, you know what's happening? I'm buying the lie, baby. I'm buying the lie. So let's take some communion. Because Jesus said, 
I want you to remember what I've done for you. And he goes, and I know you guys need to do this because the battle's gonna be real and the struggle's gonna be real and you've got to remember that this is your reality. So what did he do? He said, this is my body given for you. Man, in Colossians, you guys, in the same passages, you know what his physical death did? Through his physical death, he forgave us he redeemed us, which means he purchased us and took us when we were, and he brought us into his kingdom. He qualified you. You were actually disqualified to get into heaven before. Now he's qualified you through his death and he has rescued you. This is what Jesus is saying. Take and eat. You guys, this is how you know I love you. I loved you when you were powerless to do anything good. I loved you when you were a sinner. I loved you when you were ungodly. If I loved you when you were like that, and now I've made you my child, take and eat and get rid of the lie that I don't love you. This is how we know. Let's take and eat and remember that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. All right, now let's open up this cup without spilling it all over ourselves. Maybe. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus said, you've got to remember, you guys. Don't, please, come on, David. Quit thinking that your efforts and your performance and your righteous acts give you any favor before God. I have taken away all of your efforts and I've given you my righteousness. I have forgiven you of every sin you've ever done or ever will. Come on, if you came in here and your struggle is shame and guilt, that's a lie from the pit of hell and he wants to set you free. Let's take and drink and remember Jesus Christ shed his blood and you are forgiven and free. Hallelujah. I never used to say that word, but praise the Lord. All right? Now, just real quick, those are the main things I wanted to get to, but now we just gotta have some fun with these other ones real quick. Then what did did he say to the Assyrians? He said, look at your troops, they're all weaklings. I, I just, I mean, are you serious? Again, like I already said, these are the people who destroyed everybody. These are the greatest warriors on the planet. Can I just ask you a question? If God can take down the nation of Assyria, can he handle your problem? Come on. If God can take down the nation of Assyria, how's he looking at your problem? He's got it, you guys. They are weaklings to him. Look at this, Ephesians chapter one. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who? Say it, who? Is it up there? Okay, let's say it. Who believes? So again, and here's the thing. You know lots of things. I'm gonna challenge you to believe it. I'm challenging myself. David, do you actually believe this 
or do you know it? Because when I believe in who Jesus is and when I believe in what he's done, when I believe the truth about who God is and his love for me, and when I believe the truth that no one can accuse me and no one can condemn me because I am completely righteous in God's sight, not because of anything I've done, obviously, but because of who he is. You know what happens? There's a power. There's a power. Come on, man. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, for you. Can I just ask you, how many of you are living like that? That's what I thought. This is our battle, you guys. This is what we gotta believe. There's not a spiritual force that Jesus Christ isn't far above. Anything that comes against us has to come against Jesus because Jesus lives in you. Does he live in you? Is he the almighty God? Is he far above everything that's coming against you? Do you believe it? All right. That's the change. Because if you do, you have incomparably great power for us who believe. Then what's he say to the Assyrians? The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has consumed the bars of your gates. You guys, Nineveh was the city. And God's going, your gates that protect you, done. Your enemies can just fly right in. So what I think of immediately when Jesus asked his disciples, who does everybody say I am? Oh, some say John the Baptist. Some say, well, who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He looked at Assyria and said, Assyria, Nineveh, your gates are going down. And you know what he did on the cross? He totally destroyed the gates of hell. And what's he saying? On this rock. What was the rock? What was the rock? It was Peter's belief that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of the living God. He goes, if I can get people to believe that, he goes, if you and I will believe I am who I am and I've done what I've done and I'm in you and I'm for you and I'm more powerful than anything else. He goes, if you will believe, you know what will happen? He goes, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell had no chance of stopping it. Isn't that cool? You guys, in church planning stuff that I go to all the time, one of the best things they say is, Jesus never said to go build the church. He said, I'll build the church. But I'll only build it in one way. How? Because you believe in me. If you believe in me and who I am and what I've done, and if you will walk with me by faith and trust me, he goes, then I build the church. And then, just two more, he says this to them, nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. Assyria, you're done. And in 612 BC, the Assyrians' rule came to an end, and they were done. And I want to tell you, here's what's cool, you guys. That day is coming for Satan. You guys know this? <laughs> Come on, man, look at this, Revelations 19. I saw heaven standing open 
And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and wages war. He wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, and cutting out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. And he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on, man, that's awesome. Hey, can I just ask you, how many of you are living your life thinking about that? Come on, none of us do. This is why the Bible says what? I read it at the very beginning. Get your mind set on things above. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. You have a king who's over all kings. You have a Lord who's over all lords. And one day he's coming. And then in Revelations 20, it says, and the devil who deceived them, there he is, that dang liar, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, amen. Their wound is fatal. All right? So band, come on up. What's the last thing that he said to the Assyrians? He said, all who hear the news about you, clap their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? I'm telling you, man, when you have felt the cruelty and now that person is gone and they're destroyed. Okay, guys, who in this room has not felt the cruelty of Satan? Every one of us in this room has. Through conflict and division, through judgment and unforgiveness and bitterness, through temptations into things that separate us from an intimacy with God, with anxiety and worry and fear and depression, the emptiness and the never-ending search for peace and fulfillment, the guilt and the shame and the destructive patterns and addictions where we can't have good relationships. Come on, man. Who hasn't felt the cruelty of Satan? And I love what he says. And when people hear about what's gonna happen to you, he goes, they're gonna clap their hands. Hail to the victors, valiant. Can I, can I tell you what? I'm serious. I, I, I know I say this and I get it, man. But I tell you, sometimes I watch a victory over a stupid football game and they're a hundred times more excited than we are about our salvation in Jesus. Isn't that weird? I can tell you this though. You know what's gonna happen? When we see him, when we see him, we're gonna be like, Michigan football? Like What? What's it say? Psalm 47, one and two says, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy for the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. Amen? Amen. And then in Revelation, you guys, you know what's going on right now? In heaven, they're already screaming and praising and hollering. They're having an amazing time. My mom's up there like, "Ah," you know, get it, David? Listen to this, Revelation 19. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice 
and be glad and give him glory. All right. You guys ready to do that? You guys ready to do this? Man, let's praise and thank Jesus. Get your eyes into the heavenly realms. He's with you now. He's accomplished it. He's with you and me every moment. And he's got a guaranteed victory for every single one of us. Let's stand. This first song, by, by the way, I got to worship with these guys when they were rehearsing. I'm like, that's why I'm actually fired up because I got to do this. So now I get to do it twice. We are gonna worship the truth and the beauty and the glory of Jesus, all right? Let's do it. <laughs>